0: give your neighbor a hug, a high five. Thank you Jesus for a great day. Speak to us today, Lord. Let us leave different. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. We love the word of God. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen, but the title of the message today is soul power. What kind of power do you have? Come on Victor, I want to know what kind of power do you have? Soul power. This morning I want to talk to you about soul power. Come on. John said in 3 John chapter 1 verse 2, "Beloved, I pray that in all respects of life you may prosper. That in all respects of life you may prosper." Everybody say prosper. prosper. He says, "I pray that you would have good health just as your soul prospers." What John was saying here is that if your soul prospers, your life is going to prosper. If your soul is healthy, your life is going to be healthy. And in the same way, if your soul is unhealthy, if it's toxic, if it's dark, if it's shameful, if it's holding on to guilt, it's going to flow out of your life. You know, John was saying there's something about your soul prospering that affects every part of your life. Jesus had a lot to say about this too. He, he said so many people focus on the outside, but it's the inside that matters. Jesus said in Matthew 13 that a good life is produced by a good soul. And a bad life is the result of a bad soul that sooner or later, what's on the inside is going to surface. No matter how much smiles you have, no matter what kind of makeup you put on or how well you dress, sooner or later, what's happening on the inside of your soul, if you don't have that soul power, it's gonna affect everything you do in this life. As a society, we don't spend a whole lot of time on the internal, we spend a lot of time on the external. In fact, this weekend, billions of dollars are spent buying costumes, masks, throwing costume parties, preparing for Halloween. Our our country goes crazy about buying costumes for their kids and their family and, and masks and throwing masquerade parties. And Jesus said there were people who lived like this every day. People who had a costume party every day. People who had a masquerade every day. They were pretending to be someone that they weren't. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who pretend to look healthy. I came for those who will honestly admit how sick their soul is. See, you can be sick on the outside, but rich on the inside. You can also look rich on the outside, but be sick on the inside. Have you ever had someone ask you the question, how are you? No, how how are you really doing? Like they just keep digging, your wife, when she just keeps asking, come on, how are you? No, how are you really doing? What's going on? You're just not yourself. How's your soul? This morning, I want to talk to you about the importance of just watching over your soul. Jesus said, don't be afraid of who can take the body. Don't be afraid of your body being hurt. Rather, be more concerned about your soul because your soul goes with you into eternity. And it's, it's one thing to give your soul to Jesus Christ, to surrender your life to Jesus, to say, okay, I believe in God, which means my soul is destined for eternity in heaven. But it's another thing to let this earth, this lifetime while you exist here, to have a prosperous soul while you're living. So many Christians, they carry misery on the inside. They have misplaced identity, unsurrendered insecurities, shame and guilt that they just can't let go. They can't allow themselves to be happy. Speaking of of costumes and, and wearing masks and dressing up, I remember as a kid, my parents, Uh, Around this time of year, around Halloween time, our church always would do a family fun fest, like a a hallelujah night. (laughs) And we would dress up, and my my mom and dad always dressed us up as Bible characters. And so this one, and and here was the other thing. My dad would let us go and get candy sometimes with neighbors that he knew, but we weren't allowed to say trick or treat. We had to say blessings, please. (laughs) And people would always look at us like we were weirdos. They were like, what? What? And my dad would be standing there with us and he would just nod and we'd look back at him and we'd just say, blessings, please. (laughs) Just felt so awkward and and embarrassed and they'd say, you're supposed to say trick or treat. We'd be like, it's my dad. Blessings, please. And they'd finally let us get some candy because they felt bad for us, just had pity. But one year my mom dressed me and my brother up as the tongues of fire and if you're not a Christian, you have no clue what that means. There's this part in the Bible where the disciples, they get the Holy Spirit and it says the Holy Spirit falls on them as if it was tongues of fire. And so my mom gets me and my brother orange sweatsuits and we got sweatshirts, sweatpants, and she she spray paints our tennis shoes orange. And then she paints our face orange. And then she gets the hairspray orange. And then she put pieces of paper that she had magic marker drawn flames on and she tapes them to us. And so we're walking around and people are like, what are you guys? We're like, we're the tongues of fire. <laughs> it, was, it was sad. But I think about how we spend a lot of time focusing on making the outside look good or interesting or something like that. And we spend little time focusing on the internal part of our life. And Paul said that there's this part of him, no matter how saved you get, all of us have this, where your flesh, still battles against your spirit even when you've given your life to Jesus where there's this feeling on the inside of of desiring to sin that curiosity that that fleshly uh, uh, desire. No matter how saved you get, if you're still living, you've got this flesh wrapped around your spirit. And so they're always at war with each other. And It's like a voice in your head trying to uh, keep your soul headed in the wrong direction while you've got the Holy Spirit inside you trying to get you in the right direction. And oftentimes we, we don't know which voice to listen to. If we're not careful, if we're feeding our minds and our hearts so much entertainment and so much pleasure, we start listening to the wrong voice. And our soul begins to go down a downward spiral path. Even believers have done this. In fact, I was talking with a pastor a few months ago who lost everything. He lost his his family, his church, everything. And he was a born-again believer, but he began listening to the lies of the enemy and he began deceiving himself to think he deserved to do some things that he swore he would never do. And this is what happens to a soul that's become toxic. They start to deceive themselves. They, they, they become numb to the presence of God. They become numb to the Word of God. They become numb to all the stuff, the commandments of God. And this entitlement factor seeps in, and this insecurity and this fear. And all of a sudden, we start giving way to the darkness that, that messes with people's souls. You know, I was, and it doesn't just happen with sin, too. It also happens with just the enjoyment of life. A, a prosperous soul leads to a, a prosperous attitude, a prosperous mindset. You enjoy your family. You enjoy the place you're in. And I don't know if you've ever met someone who just is miserable. Who they, It's like they have everything they want, but they're still not happy. But uh, uh, this last week, my wife and I, we got to spend a few days with John Maxwell, uh, the author of several leadership books. And he paid for us to stay with him and a few other pastors on Pebble Beach in California, Carmel. Beautiful area. And so, man, we were so blessed. We were staying there. And then he said, I wanna pay for you to play on Pebble Beach Golf Course with me. Now, I only golf like once a year, and I'm not a good golfer. And even when I do, it's like I'm forced to go out there for our Dream Center tournament. And so, y'all are like, man, what a waste of money. He should've paid for me to go. I know, he should've paid for you. I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't deserve to be out here. But I was on the course and I just heard this voice in my head, you don't deserve to be out here. You are so unqualified. Over there is John Maxwell and over here is John Bevere and Chris Hodges and these guys are good at golf and, and they're much older than me and they're, they're, it's like they just enjoy themselves and I was just, I felt tortured on the inside, I felt unworthy. And then they forced everyone to have a caddy. And, and I was like, please don't give me a caddy, it's gonna be so bad for them, I feel bad for my caddy. And, <laughs> Because all my balls were just going everywhere. I was shooting like anywhere but straight and center. It was just going like 15 feet that way. And then like when I got when I hit it really hard, it would go the opposite way. And so I asked my caddy, I said, now who have you caddied for? He said, Arnold Palmer, Gene Hackman, Clint Eastwood, all these like great golfers, billionaires. And I'm looking in my wallet and I got like $25. And I was like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Finally, after a few holes, he was like, just, just hit with any club, like it's not gonna be much. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. <laughs> he was funny, he was an older man, just like, he was like, don't, don't even worry about it. I was like, which club should I use? Just any of them. <laughs> and uh, it was sad, you know, I'm walking on this course and I'm, I'm just feeling so unqualified, so unworthy. And, and then the, the, the tormenting voice, it's, it's your flesh. And everybody has this voice, if you listen to it, you'll live a miserable life, but saying, you haven't worked hard enough to be out here. You don't deserve this rest. You haven't been productive enough today. You haven't done enough. You haven't performed well enough to deserve this opportunity. You're too young. You're too, you're, you, you're not good. You're not, you don't deserve this. And that voice was messing with me. And I, I just wasn't, I was playing worse than I already play, which is really bad. And so I asked the, the caddy, I said, who's the nicest person you caddy for? He said, Arnold Palmer. I said, well, who's the meanest person? He said, there's a lot of those guys here. <laughs> and he, he began to talk about a few different people, I won't name, but he said, you know, if you can't be happy out here, you can't be happy anywhere. He said, something's wrong with your soul. I thought, wow, this guy's speaking, he's spitting some truth here. He said, if you can't be happy here, you can't be happy anywhere. He began to name the houses that sit on Pebble Beach. And, and the houses start at $40 million and go all the way up to $100 million. I mean, these are just massive mansions. And he said, these people have the nicest sunset at the end of the day, and many of them are the most miserable men I've ever met. He said, Paul, money doesn't fix your problems. Fame doesn't fix your problems. And he had memorized my name because of all the bad shots I would taken. He said, Paul... He said, Paul, you're not going to win the golf tournament. I said, thank you. That's brilliant. I knew that. <laughs> he said, you're not going to win. He said, so you just need to enjoy it. He said, open your eyes. Enjoy where you're at. And all of a sudden, I just relaxed, and I look out, and then, man, there's these ocean waves coming in, these beautiful cliffs, and green grass, and I just go, thank you, God. Amen. And I actually started playing better after that. But I think there's something about a soul at peace that produces a life of prosperity. I think there's something about a soul that's well and healthy and not defeated and discouraged and, and constantly critical of oneself. I don't know about you, but I can oftentimes be my own worst critic, constantly putting myself down. I mean, Sundays are tough at times because after church, it's like no matter what someone says, I'll just go, ah, oh, I wish I didn't say that. I could have done so much better. And, and the enemy loves to torment us with self-defeating thoughts. And it, and it hurts your soul. If you live for that sense of, of, of trying to perform and trying to, trying to win everyone's approval, you will constantly be headed down a path of, of soul weaknesses instead of soul power. You'll constantly feel defeated and depleted in your soul. Jesus said, what profit is it if a man gains or a woman gains the whole world but loses her soul? What profit is it if you, if you make all the money in the world? This is Matthew 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, guys, you can get everything you want and still, if you lose your soul, you lose everything. Jim Carrey, a famous comedian, actor, he said this, and this is an interesting quote. He said, I wish everyone would become as rich and famous as I've become so they can find out how empty and meaningless it really is. I mean, he's a funny guy. He just said something serious. I wish that everyone would become as rich and famous as I've become so they can find out how empty and meaningless it really is. Because these external factors, if your internal condition is based on your external circumstances, you will always be in a place of emptiness. I mean, this is King Solomon's problem, right? The son of David who took over Israel, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the saddest books. He's got all the money in the world, all the women in the world, he's got everything that he wants, all the sex in the world, and yet he says, meaningless, meaningless. My life feels meaningless because without Jesus, your life is meaningless. Without God in your life, nothing will satisfy you. There's not a a drink you could have. There's not money you could make. There's not a raise you could get. There's not a person you could be with that would make you happy except Jesus. And so many of us are staking our soul satisfaction, our soul sufficiency on someone else or something else. In fact, one of the problems that's happening in in my generation, uh, really like I think maybe 35, 40 and under is, and it's a term that doctors and medical scientists have given this term, it's called anhedone, anhedone. And it means the ability, the inability to feel happy on the inside. People who have lost the ability to feel happy on the inside, the inability to be at peace in your soul, the inability to have just enjoyment of life. And doctors have said there's three areas that it's really plaguing this generation. And the first area is social, that this generation has lost the ability to connect socially because they are plagued with an overstimulization of trying to seek pleasure, trying to seek a, 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 a connection. And, and the doctors have said a big problem is social media they, they, they said, listen, what technology has done is it's revolutionized our lives. There's no doubt about it that Steve Jobs, Apple, Google, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all these things, they, it's revolutionized our lives, but the doctor said this, it's ravished our souls. It's revolutioning, revolutionizing our lives, but it's ravishing our brains and ravishing our souls. The film producer of the new Jurassic Park was asked, why did you make something so epic, so big, so massive, over the top? And this was his response. This was really interesting. He said, in other generations, people wanted to be educated, enlightened, improved, and empowered. But in this generation, they want to be entertained. The great fear of this generation is not death. It's not disease. It's the fear of boredom. That's why you can't put your phone down in church. Now, some of you can. I, and I'm not getting on to you. Maybe some of you are taking notes, so no condemnation. But that's why you can't go to the bathroom without your phone. Now, that one I know, because I've been there. That fear of boredom. Right? It's like you always got to be looking at something, checking your Instagram, checking your Facebook. No matter how many likes you get, followers you have, comments you get, it's never enough. There's this continual pursuit of more and more and more and more. And I can't just be part of one fantasy football league. I've got to have five fantasy football leagues. And and I've got to live here and it's it's killing our social skills. We're sitting at a dinner table and we're all on our phones. Hedone, it is this inability to feel at peace, to connect socially. The second area that doctors said this is happening is musical, this is really interesting, musical. That this generation is losing a taste of enjoyment of music. And I started thinking about worship, how people are, they're no longer impressed because we hear so much music and we hear so much stuff that we're losing our ability to enjoy the music, the orchestra, what God is doing with the music. And the third area was this, sexually. That this generation has so been overstimulated by online and, and, and other stuff. And it's not just online, but it's also just the overstimulation of, of pursuing pleasure that we've lost the ability to enjoy the gift that God's given us. And so there's this plague of the soul that's getting darker and darker. How do you know when you have a healthy soul? How do you know when your soul is healthy? And what is your soul? People have been asking, what, what is our soul? Your soul is your internal disposition on life. It's internally, how do you feel? Not what do you own, not what do you make, but how are you really doing? It's that ability to feel good, to look in the mirror and say, I'm happy. To not just say it when people ask you in public, but when you're all by yourself to say, I'm content, I'm content, I'm thankful, to enjoy where God has you. So many people come to Tulsa. I've heard people say, there's nothing to do in Tulsa. I'm so bored here. I wanna go to another place. If you can't be happy here, you can't be happy anywhere. It's not just Carmel, California. It's Tulsa, Oklahoma too. The other day I was running down Riverside and I just looked at the Arkansas River and man, it looks pretty right now. I'm just gonna say, we got a pretty city. But I looked over at Turkey Mountain and some trees were changing colors and I just paused. I thought, God, You're so amazing. You're so amazing. Isaiah, the prophet in the Bible, he called God wonderful, counselor, mighty God. Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. I want to challenge you this morning to not lose the wonder of God, to not lose the enjoyment of his presence, to not just go through the motions during church service. I refuse to be a pastor who goes through the motions at church. Man, I want to experience a vibrant, real relationship with God that when I get on my knees, it's not a show, it's not an act. It's because I really am amazed by God's goodness. His presence is here this morning. Just welcome the Holy Spirit into this place. Some of us are so busy that we're barren. We're barren. You say, well, what's barren, Paul? It's empty on the inside. We've consumed ourselves with busyness that we're no longer feeling the satisfaction of just life. We've got to have more apps. We've got to have more stuff to do, more pictures to upload. And, and one's not enough. I've got to get another one. I've got to do another thing. And, and sometimes we just need to be still. Still. Be still. That was an Oklahoma accent. Be still. Be still. And know that he is God. There was a prophet in the Bible, Elijah, who was running from his destiny. He was running from his calling. And he found himself all alone and isolated. I think one of the biggest problems that we face right now, Christians face this, is loneliness. And it takes courage to admit it. I think that's why we seek all the social media. We are lonely. We're seeking connection, but we're seeking it the wrong way. We've got it upside down. We think people are supposed to fix us, supposed to fill that hole in our soul that only God can fill. Elijah was in a cave and he was waiting to hear from God. He was all by himself, lonely, discouraged, depressed, overwhelmed. His life was being threatened. He thought everything was over. He was waiting to hear from God and all of a sudden this massive wind starts to blow through like a hurricane and he thinks God must be in the hurricane. He must be in the spectacular, but he wasn't in the hurricane. Then the fire comes and he thinks, God's going to be in the fire. He's going to be in the fire. He's got to be in the spectacular, but he wasn't in the fire and then a still small voice came to Elijah and spoke to him in the cave. Oftentimes, we find our soul satisfaction not on another roller coaster, not in another affair, not on more websites, more social media, more pictures that you're looking at, more Netflix. None of that stuff's gonna help you. More money, more raises. I'm telling you, you, it's like my caddy said. Billionaires are some of the most miserable people he's met there on that golf course. Because money can't fill that hole in your soul. Sex can't fill that hole in your soul. All that stuff, the drinks that you drink and none none of it's gonna be enough, the cigarettes, the the gambling, the, the tobacco, all of that stuff, the secrets, the shame, the guilt, Some of us are carrying secrets that nobody knows about. We've done so good at keeping it locked up deep in our soul, and it's destroying you on the inside. Because you just haven't been clean, you haven't been honest, you haven't been raw and real and said, I'm not okay. It's a good thing to say I'm not okay. It's okay to not be okay because you're in a place where God can make you okay. So many Christians feel like I've got to pretend to be okay. No, you don't. God died so you could say I'm not okay and I need you to make me okay because you're the only one who can make me okay. There's nothing in this life that can. I'm not gonna pretend to be okay. I need your help, Jesus. We get so prideful as believers sometimes thinking, I can't admit that I'm weak right now. Last week, John Maxwell stood in front of 30 pastors, major pastors, and he said, I've written a lot of books. Last week, I was in Las Vegas. I spoke to 13,000 business people. But he said, I find myself right now in one of the loneliest places I've ever been. He said, I'm, I'm more lonely now than I've ever been. And I thought, wow, I feel sorry for him. But it was like God checked me and said, don't feel sorry for him. He did something so brave today. He modeled transparency for all of you pastors who pretend like you don't have any problems to just be real and say, you know what? I, I am a little lonely. And God, I need you to help me. And when he said it, he said, I, I need you as my friends. And I thought, man, I want to be his friend. Not because of what I could get from him, but because I just want to, I want to be with someone who's honest. I want to be a friend to someone who can be real. There's so many people in your life that want to help you. Christian people. But oftentimes we're afraid to admit what's going on in our soul. We're tormented and tortured by that voice of, Insecurity. I got to end with this one last story, and it's a story in the Bible of King Saul. He was the first king of Israel before David. We all know David who slayed Goliath. But Saul was the first king. He was anointed to lead Israel. Samuel the prophet found Saul and said, Saul, God's got his eye on you. You are a strong man. If, if Saul was a glass of water, he looked like this. He was clean and pure. He was handsome. He was tall and strong. And Saul started out the right way, but little by little over time, Saul allowed his insecurities. And there's three things that Saul did. I wanna tell you right now that will happen to your soul if you're not careful. Unsurrendered insecurities. Unsurrendered insecurities. All of us have insecurities, whether it's I don't feel good enough, I don't feel beautiful enough, I don't feel qualified, I don't feel like people like me, I'm not sure if my boss approves of me, I'm not sure if if I feel accepted by family or friends, there's all those insecurities. But when you surrender them, you become peaceful on the inside, your soul is at rest, it's prosperous, you got soul power, but Saul, Never did surrender those insecurities of what people thought about him. Little by little, it poisoned his soul. And those unsurrendered insecurities led to jealousy. When you don't surrender your insecurities, you're threatened by everyone. So when David starts succeeding, Saul becomes jealous, envious, insecure. They like him more than they like me. That jealousy led to anger. And he spent the rest of his life chasing David, trying to kill David. Because he couldn't stand David's success. David was a shepherd boy. Saul was a king. He was losing his identity. He was losing his success. He was losing his kingdom. Those unsurrendered insecurities led to spiritual apathy. This is the second point. People become spiritually apathetic. Numb to the word of God. Numb to the presence of God. Darkened in their soul no longer underlining scriptures, no longer waking up and reading their Bible, no longer praying and going to church is just going through the motions, just checking it off the checklist. And and then the last point is this disobedience, willful sins, disobedience. You know you're not supposed to do it. You swore you wouldn't do it 20 years ago, but you're at a place right now, your soul has become so dark and it's like you keep paying for it. You do it, it's not stuff that It's stuff you could avoid, but it's like you're pursuing dark, darker and darker. Towards the end of Saul's life in 1 Samuel 28, something happened, and it's it's really a Halloween story. Saul was at a place of so much darkness in his soul. He was a chapter away from losing his kingdom and his life, and he sought to speak with the dead. He consulted a psychic, a medium. Now we know psychics and mediums, palm readers, these are people that literally have devoted their soul in a dark way, in a demonic way, to the devil. I mean, it's satanic, right? Saul had outlawed all of that satanic stuff. But now he was at a place where he was seeking for it. It says in 1 Samuel 28 that he dressed up and disguised himself. What a costume party. He disguised himself. This is what a dark soul does. You start changing your gender. You start changing your identity. You start changing who you really are. You you don't know who you are because you haven't surrendered your insecurities. You don't know who you are. You got a prop you have unresolved conflict with your dad. You have unresolved conflict with your son. You have unresolved conflict with God. You say you're over your dad's passing but you're really not over it. You say you're over your wife's passing but you're really not. You say you're past that mistake that your dad made and your mom made. You say you're past the mistake that you made, but deep down inside, you are disguising yourself. And Saul went searching for a psychic, and he found this psychic, and he said, tell me what my future holds. She said, you're gonna get me killed. Don't you know that Saul threatened to kill everyone who's a psychic or medium? She couldn't even recognize Saul. Isn't it crazy that the people who are supposed to recognize you don't even recognize you when your soul is so dark? Proverbs 25 says, when a righteous man gives way to the wicked, it's like mud entering that spring of fresh water. You're muddying the well. You're polluting the water. So here Saul was, and he has a conversation with a dead man. Samuel, the prophet who had died, comes back in this moment, and he says, why have you awakened me from my sleep? This was a spiritual situation here, supernatural Paranormal activity, but you know you got paranormal authority over paranormal activity. Come on somebody, cancel the haunting. Saul was dark. Samuel looked at him and said, it's all going to end the way I said it would. Your kingdom will be taken from you. Your soul, your life will be destroyed because you failed to repent, to truly repent. You failed to truly turn your life and obey God's word. What was the difference between Saul and David? David was the second king, this young king. David made sexual and moral mistakes, but the difference was David Truly repented. He had soul power. He knew where his source came from. He repented of his mistakes. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right mind inside of me. Lord, be my shepherd. Restore my soul. Lead me beside still waters. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I choose not to fear because you're with me. You're the watcher of my soul. See, David had soul power. He knew even if I miss it, God can heal me of that internal turmoil, that shame, that guilt. Ron, would you come and help me? This is what happens when we do what David did. The first step is getting honest with yourself. My wife said, you cannot have a healthy soul until you're honest with yourself. You gotta be 100% real, raw, and honest. Don't fake it, because you're only talking to you. If things aren't okay, then just say it to God. I'm not okay. I'm not okay, I'm lonely, I'm discouraged, I'm ashamed, I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. You have no one to, to, to impress here. This is just you and God. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who pretend to be healthy, I came for those who are honest about their sickness. Lord, I need you. When you do that, John chapter seven says, Jesus will give you rivers of living water, he'll come, and he'll wash your soul you allow him to come and clean you and renew you and wash you from the inside out come to me all who are weary and heavy burden. i will give you rest i will restore your soul my yoke is easy my burden is light Jesus wants to heal you from the inside out. He wants to clean you where there's been a muddying of the soul, where there's been pollution in the soul, where there's been darkness and toxicity. Today, he's saying, come, let me give you the rivers of living water, the rivers of clean water. He wants to purify you. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Some of us here today, we've lost that ability to just Be in the presence of God and enjoy it. We're consumed. We are so busy that we're barren. When's the last time that you felt goosebumps in church where you really let God touch your soul? When's the last time that you went to an altar call? When's the last time that you said, God, I need you? I need you. His presence is here. His word is here. His power is here. I didn't know how bad I needed to get away and rest last week until I was there. And I just looked at my wife and looked at my kids. And and I got teary-eyed. I just thought, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to just pause and rest and let our souls be refreshed. Refreshed. And, and, and the more that you push yourself and ignore the warning signs and ignore those questions from your wife, from your mom saying, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? You're just not being yourself these days. You're just not being yourself. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get on to you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I just want you to be healthy on the inside because if you're not healthy on the inside, you'll never be happy on the outside. John said, I pray that your outside would follow your inside." that as your soul prospers, your life would prosper. So I want us to close our eyes this morning and ask ourselves, how am I really doing? Have I become spiritually numb? Have I lost that passion, that enjoyment of life? Have I lost the ability to just rest? Are your off days? just days where you stay at home and work more, where you feel like you're never getting enough done, you're never being productive enough? Have you labeled yourself a five out of 10 when God says you're an 11 out of 10? You're good enough, you're more than enough. You're his son, you're his daughter. Have you rejected the love of God because you feel ashamed and guilty for things that you've done? Maybe you're like Saul. Things have gotten dark. Maybe, maybe you're kind of like me on that golf course. It's just that voice, that chatterbox, as Stephen Furtick calls it, that chatterbox keeps annoying you and sabotaging your joy, your peace, your hope. You've been brushing off the questions. Today you're saying, I just need to get real. Hey, if John Maxwell can get real, and he had a lot to prove in front of those guys, I think you can get real here in church. Say, not okay, but I know that God can make me okay. All across this room, if you just need the refreshing of God's presence in your soul, I want you to just raise your hand around this room. You just need God to refresh your soul. Yeah, you felt tired. Maybe you felt weary. Maybe there's been shame. Maybe there's been anger. Maybe there's just been toxicity with everything that's going on in our nation. You've just been discouraged, and maybe you've been even tormented, aggravated on the inside. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. You wouldn't believe in the last two services, leaders have just been down at this altar receiving a refreshing of God. I'm so thankful that leaders feel the freedom to be honest. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right in my soul. I'm not right, my marriage, I've not been the person I'm supposed to be. I've been been hiding, I've been insecure. I've, I've not surrendered some things I need to surrender. Today, just bring it to God. He can heal you from the inside out. If you raised your hand or you know you should have, I just want you to make a bold step. Come down to this altar right now. Just move from your seat. Because the Holy Spirit is here this morning. His presence is here. Just welcome His presence in this room. Hey, I believe that God is pouring drinks today, rivers of living water, but you gotta come down to the altar to let it just flush over you, let it rush over you. In Jesus' name, He's giving you peace. He's giving you hope. He's giving you contentment. He's giving you satisfaction. He's saying, you can be happy right where I have you. You can be satisfied right with what you've got. You can have more than enough. You are more than enough in God's eyes. Come on, let's just worship God in this place right now. He wants to refresh your soul. He loves you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's given you a healthy dose of conviction this morning to say, things aren't okay. And that's okay. Because the great physician is in the house. And he loves you. And he's for you. He's for your soul to prosper. He's for your soul to prosper. He loves you. Yes, He loves you. I've been singing this song the last few weeks with my kids, and it's an old song I learned in Sunday school that just keeps coming back to me and just reminding myself. To tell my soul, it is well. God's with you. And this is the song God is so good. God is so good. Loves you. God is so good, and God is so good, He's so good to me. Sing it one more time. your soul God convinced that a healthy soul is the most important thing that we can have in this life I remember seeing my dad on the hospital bed right before he passed and he was smiling his outward body was decaying but on the inside his soul was well I've been in a place where someone's completely healthy on the outside but miserable on the inside choose the inside to be healthy more because if the inside is healthy that's the most important part of our life it changes everything and i think the outside will absolutely follow the inside but no matter what you walk through when your soul is healthy when it's prospering when it's free from the guilt and the shame of the past when it's free from secrets and it's free from from inner turmoil when it's free from that need to get everybody's approval I thought about it last week. I knew a few people weren't happy that I took some time off, but then I thought, well, I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please God. And if God needs me to get some rest, to have a healthy soul, I'm going to leak better on other people around me. See this isn't just about you. You leak on other people. And so when this is dirty, you're leaking dirtiness on other people, on your family, on your kids, on the business, on the church. But when this is clean and pure, you're changing your family, you're changing your kids, you're changing your church, you're changing your your business. The anointing flows, it leaks. God wants you to be clean, not just so you can have a good life, but so that everyone around you can feel the freedom that comes from your soul being prosperous. Oh, I pray that you would prosper in your soul. Jesus, heal any soul here today that feels dark, that feels discouraged, that feels exhausted, that feels overwhelmed, that's driven by performance, whose worth has been found in his job. I pray that today he would know how worthy he is in the eyes of God, how worthy she is, how beautiful she is in your eyes. Not another boy is going to fix you, not another girl, not another affair, nothing like that's going to fix you. Christ alone, my cornerstone, weak made strong in the Father's love. Through it all, He is Lord, Lord of all. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just pour rivers of living water. God, I pray that there would be a fresh sound in this church got a fresh generation that's free from the strongholds of, of our culture and our society the atmosphere is changing now for the spirit of it out on you. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. I'm telling you, there's a hunger in this generation for the real. There's a hunger for the paranormal authority of Christ. People know the spiritual is real. And it's here right now. The evidence is all around. Yeah! The Spirit of the Lord. Tell me it's not real. I've seen it. You can feel it on a person when they're carrying darkness, demonic strongholds. And I just feel like God is coming and He's loosing you in Jesus' name. He's loosing you from that dark, demonic stronghold of fear, of lust, of satanic stuff that you've been dabbling in. He's setting you free in Jesus' name. Church. I'll never forget, we were in Haiti 15 years ago, I was a teenager and this woman came running towards the stage. My dad was preaching. This woman came running and she was flailing her arms and her body and she was demon possessed. I'd never seen anything like it here in the United States, but in Haiti, they've got lots of witch doctors and lots of satanic stuff. And as she's running, it was just unhuman. It was unhuman. People were parting the way. And my dad looked at her and pointed and said, in the name of Jesus, be loosed. And this woman just fell, just when she got up, she was a completely different woman. She was free in the mind, free in the soul, free in the spirit, because there's nothing greater than having your soul at rest and peace with God. as we come to an end today, I know we've gone a little bit long, but how many just enjoy the presence of God? You just enjoy. He's so good. A song came out of last service that we just started singing, and I feel like it's a good song for us to end on. And the song is, His eye is on the sparrow. Why should my How's that song go? There we go. Why should I feel discouraged? And Why, why should, should the, the shadows, shadows come? come? Why, why should my heart feel lonely at home for heaven and home, home. when Jesus when Jesus is my portion Sing it, Sam A constant friend is he His eye is on the sparrow And I know who he was So I sing. I sing because I'm happy. Come on, just sing it out. Even if you don't know the words, just let I it out. I sing because I am free. His eyes. Church, he's watching you and he's not watching you with discouragement, he's watching over your soul. He loves you. The Bible says he takes care of the wild flowers and he takes care of the sparrows of the air, the birds. And He says, how much more valuable is your soul, your life? This morning, let's pray this prayer, say, Jesus, I'm all yours. My soul is in your control find my joy, my peace in you. Christ alone, my cornerstone. You are enough, God, and I am your child, loved by you, forgiven by you. So I turn from sin and I receive your grace, your salvation. You're my soul's sufficiency all that I need, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. May your soul prosper and let your life prosper. In Jesus' name.